Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. If you can, let's go to Joshua chapter 3. And if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. There's no worries. We have it on the screens behind me so you can follow along. But if you're taking notes, um, we like to take notes at Calvary. Uh, we have a saying at youth that if you don't write it, you don't remember it. And we never want to forget the word that God spoke on our hearts. And so if we're taking notes. The title of my message is This is the Way. I'm really bad at coming up with titles, so I just copied the Mandalorian and just, it may not have to do anything with the teaching, but it sounded really cool. And so that's where we're at. That's where we're at. All right, let's do this. A little context of what's happening here in Joshua. Um, Israelites are the chosen, these are God's chosen people. And so God calls Abraham, who's going to lead this nation, and he says, hey, I have a promised land for you, a land that is just for you and the Israelites. It is, your land is carved up just for you guys. I want you to go and take it. Long story short, Abraham dies and they never, they never reach the promised land. So God searches and looks for a leader and he finds Moses and tells Moses, okay, your time is up. We're going to go get this promised land. But Moses has a problem. The Israelites are all in slavery in Egypt. So God says, okay, we're going to get my people, we're going to free them, and we're going to head towards the promised land. Fast forward then, Moses and those people are, the Israelites are literally wandering the desert for 40 years, bickering, complaining, and they never get to the promised land. Now here's Joshua, he's next up. And Joshua now has the new generation of Israelites. The, the, the mothers and fathers are now long and gone. And now the sons and daughters are the new generation. And here they are in the scripture that we're about to read. They are literally staring at the promised land that has been spoken about for years and years and years. The problem is there's a challenge they have to face to get to this promised land. And it's called the Jordan River. And so we're going to get into our story picking up with that context. It says this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. I practiced saying that verse in the morning a million times, so I did not mess up. Where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. And this is what the officers were telling the people. Here's your instruction. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then when you do this, you'll know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark, and do not go near it. And we'll finish with this last verse. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I love it. He's, he's prophesying. He's declaring over the people that, hey, get ready. Tomorrow we're going to see a miracle happen right before our eyes. And I believe that. The same thing is true for us. God wants to do amazing things in your life, in your tomorrow, in your future. But there are things that we have to do as believers to make sure we walk into those promises the right way. So I believe if we can learn some practical handles, some tips of how we can walk into the promises of God the way he wanted us to do that. So let's pray and ask God to be with us this afternoon. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for every hand that's been up so far to accept you as their Lord and your Savior. So many people saved, so many people's lives changed from the inside. I'm, I'm believing the same thing's going to happen at this 1 p.m. Believe me, no matter how people walked in, what their story of life is, what they're going, what their Jordan River is, what their challenge they may be facing, God, you're bigger than that, and you can get them through it. 
I believe for anybody here for the first time that doesn't know you, Jesus, that you would make yourself present in a real and powerful way. More than my words, but you would speak, God, that you, your word would come alive this afternoon. So, Lord, we love you, and we also pray that you would be Holy Spirit with Patrick Mahomes' arm, that he would throw for 8 million touchdowns. And in your name we pray. Amen. 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 The only reason I'm going for the Chiefs is because my, my wife's a fan of the Chiefs. So if they lose, it's going to be a rough week in the house. So I'm just going to pray and believe that the Chiefs will win. But anyways, changing subjects, that's important. If you're a history major or maybe growing up, we learned about this growing in school. And uh, we all know about the 13th Amendment. This amendment abolished slavery. When it was ratified, it changed lives of so many slaves. Freedom that they longed for, they prayed for, they hoped for was now at their reach, at their grasp. And I was reading this article that had to do with the 13th Amendment, and it was kind of mind-blowing because this article brought out the fact that there were slaves, like not all of them, but some of them that actually decided not to take full advantage of that freedom that was given to them by the 13th Amendment. And again, as I read this, you're probably thinking the same thing. Why wouldn't they do that? What was their, what's their logic? What's their reasoning? What is the, what is the thing that made them want to stay on the plantations when they had freedom right in front of them? And the thing is, a lot of them, they knew that freedom came with a price tag. They knew that freedom really wasn't free and that when they were free, what they were going to do is they had to find their own jobs. They had to put food on the table. They had to clothe themselves. And they never been taught this in the real world because they've been in plantations majority of their lives. So they're saying, hey, you know what? I don't know what's on the outside world. I don't know what's happening. And I know that freedom comes with a price tag. And I'd rather just stay in a place where I know I can have food, I can have clothing, I can have a place to stay. Though it's not ideal, it's, it's more calming than it is to try to figure out life outside. And it's crazy to think about that. Here are some people that, that, that freedom, I mean, this is, this is something huge for their lives, yet, yet they decided to say, no, I, I'd rather not walk into that path. And before we judge them, before we think, well, why would they do that? I would never do that. Well, I think a lot of us can have that same mentality when it comes to growing as a person. I think a lot of us this year, we're like, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better mother. I'm going to change. I'm not going to go down the path I did in 2019. I'm changing. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to grow in God. But what happens is we say it, but when it comes to paying the price to actually change and do it, we say, no thanks. I'd rather stay where I'm at. It's crazy because, we all, I mean, there's nothing wrong to have ambition. We all should have godly ambition to strive for greatness, to strive for success. But a lot of times is we say it. But when it comes to, to actually doing it, it scares us or fear grips us and, and the price is, is it's too high to bear. And here's the thing, how this correlates to our story in our lives with God is same thing. God's promises come with a price tag. It's crazy because I think so many times we can be believe this lie that once we're saved, that everything that God wants to give us is going to fall right on our laps. And all we have to do is just wait and wait and wait and just be blessed and just be blessed. But in reality is there's work that needs to be put into place for us to walk into those promises. And here's what I believe for your life and the life of this church. That this is going to be the greatest year we've ever experienced in your life and here in this church. And I'm not just saying it because I'm up here and I have a mic in my hand. I'm, I'm believing it with my heart. That for your life, this is going to be the greatest year. God's going to, he's going to stretch you. He's going to, he's going to mold you. He's going to mature you. He's going to grow you. But it's going to take some work. We could say, God, this is going to be the, I'm declaring this is going to be the greatest year of my life. With my business, with my workplace, with my family, with my marriage. But, but it's one thing to declare it and then not do anything about it. So we just got to be careful because we can find ourselves believing a lie that the Bible does not teach. That the promises of God are for us. They're for all of us. And they're amazing. And they're, they are blessings to us. And there's, 
I get, read the promises, and there's so many here. So many, we, you, you can't even count them. It's just, they're all there for you. But the problem is we just think that once it's, once we read it, once we, once we just say, God, I, I want that promise, and it's like a vending machine. We just click what we want, and we get it. We're, we're mistaken because that's not how the promise of God works. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. Jesus did the work for us on salvation. But I'm talking about working towards being the best version of ourselves that God created us to be. And this is, this is a true statement in the Bible. If you read cover to cover, if you read your Bible cover to cover, everybody that did something of significance had a price tag to pay to get to that place of significance. And we'll just name a few. If you think about Abraham and Sarah, God says, I'm going to birth a nation out of you. But what, what's the price tag? Infertility. They can't have babies. They're, they're old. They're, they're, they're it, it just scientifically not possible. And so what happens is God says, that's your price tag. But I want you to trust me to do the impossible because that promise is not a joke. It's not a lie. It's going to happen. But that's the price you have to pay. Look at Joseph. Joseph had a dream that God had given them to, have, to be a man of stature, to be a man of power that was going to bless people in high places. But, but the promise was great, but what followed wasn't great. He was sold in slavery by his own family and then was in a place where he got out of jail, was, was bought by somebody, had a great position with this person. But the wife lied about Joseph, saying that she wanted to sleep with him. And Joseph was like, no. And he ran away. But that lie got him in prison. And in prison, he was forgotten about. And his dream was in question. Price tag. David, we all love King David. He's an incredible person in the Bible. But what happened to David? He was anointed king at a young age. God says, I'm anointing you to be the next king of Israel. What a responsibility. What an amazing blessing. What was his price tag? He had to face Goliath. He had to run for most of his life from a man named Saul who was trying to kill him every step of the way. It's a price tag. The kingdom didn't come right away. The house didn't come right away. There was a price tag that needed to be paid. Let's look at New Testament believers. New Testament believers, they, they've read the Old Testament. They've read the prophecies. They know the Messiah is coming. But that Messiah is the price tag, and his name was Jesus. And he paid for that promise of salvation to be happening. So every promise has a price tag. And the question we have to ask ourselves and wrestle with is this. What price are we willing to pay to have the greatest year of our life? What price are we willing to pay to be the best father, to be the best mother, to be the best coworker, student, son, daughter, whatever it may be, to be the best you that God created you to be? What price are we willing to pay? Because I believe there's a lot of us, we want to microwave our faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the microwave. It's amazing. I, I, I use it all the time. Like, that thing got me through college. But why is that? Because it's fast, it's quick, and it's easy. And so it's like, I have this dream. Let me just throw it in the microwave, wait three minutes, and my dream comes true. I have this goal for my business. Let me throw it in the microwave, have some, a little bit of faith, sprinkle some faith in there. There you go. And once it comes out, it's ready to go. Let me sprinkle my relationships. I want to get married one day. Let me just microwave and have easy relationships and get it out and wonder why I'm not married, wonder why I'm still single, and wonder why I'm still struggling because microwave faith doesn't get you the promises of God. It gets you a glimpse. What price are we willing to pay? I believe this. I believe you don't walk in his promises unless you work toward those promises. There's work that we need to do. And here are the Israelites. They're standing between the promise that they've all, I mean, this is all they've heard about. From their mom, their, the promise, like, wait till we get to the promised land. Wait, oh my God, wait till you see it. And they've been wandering and wandering. And finally, the, the people that have been prophesying over this thing and, and speaking about it, they're gone. And the new generation is here. And they're ready to cross into the promised land. The problem is there's a river called the Jordan. And it's in flood season, the Bible tells us. So it's literally impossible to go past it. And because it's flooded, it makes it more difficult 
whatever impossible, most difficult, impossible, that's what it is. And so here they are, what, what do we do? The Bible says they were camped for three days. Three days they were staring at their challenge. Three days they were staring at their price tag. Three days they were staring and wondering, yo, I don't know. I don't know if Joshua had a burning bush moment like Moses. I don't know if it's the wrong burning bush, but he suddenly was going to get past this thing. And I don't know how we're going to do it. Think about it. Three days, you're looking at the river and you're like, let me just stick my pinky toe in there real quick. See if I can see the bottom. Whoa, it's still going. It's still going. By the way, I've never squatted like this in a long time. I might not make it up. But think about it. They're, they're just looking at the water. They're just, how are we going to, we can't even walk. We can't even see the bottom. How, like what, how are we going to get thousands of people across this river? The thing is, I think we're asking the wrong question. It's not how, but, but, but why? Why do we have to cross this Jordan? You ever thought about, you ever read something in the Bible and you're like, why did God do that? Like, it seems kind of wrong, right? Like, wrestle, like, am I the only one? I guess, I don't know. I'm just saying, you read something, you're like, why did, why did God do that? I think it's okay to wrestle with the word of God. It's something that you guys have your faith gets built up. But I think we got to see, like, why couldn't there be an easier way? Ever thought about that? Like, God, why, like, if the blessings are for me and they're good for me and they're blessings to me, why is it so hard to get them? Why is it so hard to grab them? Why is it so hard to live in them? I think we got to be careful because a lot of times we, we complain about difficulties in our life, but we don't really understand the power that those difficulties have in our life to make us better. And so there's two things we need to realize of why the problems of God aren't easy. There's a reason because God is meticulous. He doesn't do anything by chance or coincidence. He has a plan in everything that he does. Nothing is random with God. And so the reason that this Jordan River is here and the reason that you have a river in your life that you have to cross and you're challenging and you're like, how am I going to get past it is to teach us all something. So what, what is it? And so first thing we need to do is why, why is the Jordan River there? Why is it difficult to reach the promises of God? The first one is this. If the promises of God were easy to, to grasp, then, then we would develop spiritual amnesia. What do I mean? We would, just, we would just forget we need God in the first place. Like, like if this is easy for me, to do on my own, then I don't need God. Like, I made my business successful, so I don't need God. I made my marriage good, so I don't need God. I raised my kids the right way. I don't need God. But then God puts something bigger than you in front of you, and you freak out. Because sometimes God's going to put a challenge like the Jordan River in your life to remind you, hey, remember the times when you did everything on your own? I'm here if you need me. I'm, I'm here if you want to just call me. I'm here if you want to ask me to help because I'm ready and willing and available at all times. So when you want to get out of your I, I mentality and say, hey, together we can do this, then you can get past your Jordan River. Because a lot of us are relying on change on our own strength and it doesn't happen that way. And you're going to hit a dead end after dead end after dead end and wondering why this thing in front of me can't be crossed, why this thing in front of me can't be pushed forward is because you weren't meant to do it by yourself. So God puts something bigger than you. To make you realize, I need God for this. Oh, I need God for this. God, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. Second reason is this. I believe that God puts something in your life that is too difficult to do on your own. And why the problems of God aren't easy. is because if they were easy, then we, would, we wouldn't develop the confidence and the experience we would have to face the next challenge that's awaiting us. In life, you're in a challenge, you're getting out of a challenge, or you're about to just walk into one right now as we speak. And if we get a mentality where we're just faced with easy problems, easy problems, easy situations, and we get past them like with flying colors, what happens 
when something really drastic shows up in your life. And you haven't been used to it. And you're figuring, you're like, how, God? How, I don't know what to do. I've never seen this. Help me, Howard. I don't know. Like, what's going on? Like, how do we get through this? Like, what do we, like, what do, we do? I've never, God, I've never faced anything like this in my life. Because maybe we haven't been challenged and gone through a challenge to say, if another challenge comes my way, I can be ready because God got me out of the other challenge. And so if you think about it, the concept of preseason games and sports, it's, it's the same idea. Preseason, the reason we have preseason games for NFL, and, and I think the Dolphins need a little bit longer preseason, but the reason we have preseason games is this, is because we need to be prepared for the regular season so we don't make the same mistakes we made in the preseason so when the games really count, I'll be ready for the next challenge. But here's the thing. Can I, can I tell you what can really help you? And this may be really weird because a lot of times we talk about the, the past being really bad. But sometimes you need to look at your past and remember what God got you out of in the past to help you with the present battles in your life. Like sometimes you need to realize, man, like God got me out of that financial mess. In the financial mess I'm in right now, I can get through it because God was with me in the past. My marriage was rocky in the past. I feel like we're going down the same path. God was faithful to get me out the first time. He'll get me out the second time. Sometimes you got to look at your past and remind your soul that God is not done. He's not in the past. He's in your future. What's in front of you is not impossible because God goes before you. And so we just got to be careful that we don't have amnesia and be like, well, God never helped me. Well, really, he didn't? Because we got to be careful. We fall into these places. And that's why we complain about challenges. And, oh, my God, I'm in this challenge. I'm in this mess. And I can't believe this. How am I here? Maybe we need to take a step back and say, God, why did you bring this into my Why did you allow this in my life? Because I really believe it's going to mature you and grow you to the best version of yourself. But it's not going to be easy. So how do we get through our Jordan phase? How do we do it? How do we face our challenges in the face and say, I'm going I'm to beat you. I'm going to get past you. Like, think about your Jordan River right now. What is it? What is that thing in your life that is in your face and you don't know how to get past it? Think about the thing that is stressing you out, that is causing you to lose sleep, that is causing you to question your entirety in life. How do I get past it? I think there's three things from the scripture. Easy to do. Simple, because I love that God makes things simple for us to do. Three things I think the Israelites did that if we apply in our own lives, we can get past our Jordan rivers. We can get past our impossible situations. First one is this. You can't go without God. If you're going to pass the Jordan River, you can't go without God. It's point blank, simple as that. You could swim as long as you can. You could try to doggy paddle as much as you can, but it's impossible. You can't go without God. And look what it says in verses 2 through 3. It says this, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, and here were their instructions. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, let's pause real quick right there. If you're not familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, in layman's term, it was literally a box that held the literal presence of God. So wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, God was there. So if the Ark was in the camp where the Israelites were at, they knew that God was there. If they were carrying the Ark to a new location, they know they had to follow it because God was in the box. And so this is what the instruction was. Hey, when you see the Ark, when you see God, when you see the presence of God, here's what you need to do. Move out of, from your positions and follow it. Then, because if you don't move out of your positions, you won't know where to go. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And a lot of us are trying to get results we've never done before doing the same things we've done before in the past. And it's like, where, where are we, like, what's this rotation? I, I, I want to be great. I want to be successful. I want to do 
amazing things for the kingdom. I want to I want to be amazing in my marriage, in my family, with my home, with my coworkers. But a lot of us we're still stuck in the same position trying to follow somebody cemented in the one spot that gets us in trouble. A lot of us are still in the position of 2019 where God is saying, "Hey, all you got to do is take one step and follow me." Because if you stay here, you won't know which way to go. You can ask for all these things, but you're, you're not going to know. Like, you're not going to know what step to take, what decision to make, where to go, who to talk to, what to do. Because you're in this position. So he says, guys, move out from your positions. Take a step out of the things you used to do and say, hey, why don't you follow the Ark of the Covenant? Because when you follow the Ark, then you will know which way to go. When it comes to our relationship with God, this is the same principle. Jesus is the way. What's the way? It's Jesus. Jesus, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Same thing with our Jordan River. Same thing with our salvation. Same thing with everything that we do. We have to go through something. Why not go through Jesus? Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, he was the one that took the, took the, the shame and the blame for all of us. And all we have to do is, is accept to follow him. The one who knows more than us, the one that loves more than us, the one that cares more than us, the one that wants to show us the, be the beautiful things he has for us in our lives. As we go through him, he will show us where to go, and we will never have to be lost anymore. A lot of us, like, we just want to stay in that position. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's, I don't know, you just, you don't know how to break free from it. Maybe you're asking, well, Phil, I want to break free, but where do you buy an Ark of the Covenant? Like, do you get that on Prime, like, two days? How does that work? Like, like, how do you do that? But here's the beautiful thing, why you won't be lost. Because when you're a believer in Christ and you accept him as your Lord and your Savior, you now are the Ark of the Covenant. And God now lives inside of you. And so wherever you go, God is with you. And wherever God goes, you follow. And that's your life now. It's like, God, I need help. Thank God he's with me. God, where do I go? Thank God I'm following him. But if we don't have that relationship where we open our hearts and say, God, I want my heart to be your home. I want you to be, I want you to have all of me. I surrender everything. I don't want to do this on my own. The moment we do that is the moment we find freedom and not have to figure things out on our own. Can't go without God. He's telling Israel, you better not stick a pinky toe in that water without me. Same thing with us. You, you're going to go after that challenge. You better not go without me. Don't go without me because I can help you. Because I can be with you. Second thing we can't do is we can't live in sin. We can't live in sin. And this is the part of this, like every service got really, really quiet. It's awkward. I'm <laughs> but, but it's the truth. And, and this is what I mean by that. It's that, that all of us are sinners, right? We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But there's a difference between being a sinner and being someone who still lives in sin. And so what Joshua is telling the Israelites is, hey, we're the chosen people. We're God's favorite. We're God's chosen. So before we cross this river into our miracle, we got to make sure that our lives are clean. Not perfect, but clean. Consecrate means to purify, to clean, to cleanse. Think about washing your clothes. Some of you in college, think about it a little bit more. And so it's one of those things where you just... Your, your clothes are dirty, you put it in the washer, it's clean, it's, it's brand new, you can rewear it, you can wear it again, it's fresh, it smells nice, it's, it's ready to go places that it wasn't when it was dirty. So a lot of us, we, 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 we want this miracle, right? We, like this, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need you to talk. I need you right now. But here's the thing, a lot of us, we, we want what God wants for us. We want the promises, we want the good things, we want the, 
the, we want the anointing, we want the favor, we want all these things. But in the other hand, we're like, I still kind of do want to do what I want to do. And I still kind of want to do like my own thing. And what happens is God has 70% of us and the 30% we're keeping hidden with a do not enter sign where God can't go in. And so here's the thing, a lot of us are trying to get past our Jordan and we're trying to figure out why we keep getting caught up. Well, what's caught you up is the sin that you're not telling anybody about, that you haven't told anybody, they haven't even told God, even though he knows. And so Joshua's like, hey guys, I can just imagine Joshua like so excited, like, yo, like we're here at the promised land, it's right there. I can't, like we've been waiting for this, none of you better mess this up. <laughs> like, hey, we, we need to be for real about this, we need to be serious about this. Can you imagine to get to the promised land, to lead the people of God to the promised land, to now wander 40 more years because of some secret sin that somebody was holding. It's like, man, we, we can't live like that. We're, 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 I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Don't, don't miss my words. It's not about perfection. It's just about being vulnerable with yourself before God. And saying, God, how do I consecrate myself? Well, how do you consecrate? You, you go to God. Say, God, search my, like, search, like, search the ins and outs of me. Take things, take things out that don't honor you. Take things out that I don't need. Remove relationships that I don't need. Remove people that I don't need. Remove things in my, that are hindering my soul from longing towards you. A lot of us, we want that miracle. But man, sometimes we hurt ourselves. And it's like, Jesus, he paid for your sins, so why go back to the sins that he removed from your life? When the promise of God is, you can just see it. It's, it's right there. That thing you've been praying about, the thing you've been longing for, that thing you've been, that, that you just, you've been going after everything in your life. It's right there, but so many times we look in the future and we're so, we're so quick to just, let the present sin in our life hold us back. So consecrate, go, go before God. Consecrate yourself. Sounds like a, a crazy word, but it's just, it's just talking to God and say, God, just fix me up a little bit. Make me new. Give me a, give me a brand new start. I know I'm saved. I know, I know I'm anointed. I know I'm favored, but just, I, I've, been, I've been falling back. Let me, let me get a fresh start. And God say, okay, you have it. Let's go. And guess what? The promise doesn't go away. You don't lose your promises. You actually get further, closer to them. And so make sure before we go past the Jordan, we consecrate ourselves. And the third one, the bank could come up. The third thing we have to do if we're going to get past our Jordan River and go after the promises of God is this. Is that we can't talk about it anymore. Like we can't talk about it anymore. And if you look at the scriptures after verse 5, Joshua gets with all the, well, all the, all the, the leaders of the camp. And they have more instructions from God and they talk about it. They strategize. They prep it. They, they say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do everything. But then it gets to verse 14 and says, so when they broke camp to cross the Jordan. So there was a point where they were talking to now they're doing. But a lot of us, we never get past our Jordans because we're still talking about how we're supposed to get past our Jordan River. And we're overthinking and we're overthinking and we're overthinking. And we're talking ourselves like, like, like I, I do this all the time. I'm my own worst enemy. Like, like, I just overthink everything. I talk, I, I talk to myself, okay? I said it there, all right? I'm crazy. I know I'm the only one. I talk to myself. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's true. Sometimes you can talk yourself out of the blessing of God, even though it's right in front of you. And God told you himself that it's for you already. We overthink it, and we talk, and we talk, and we go, well, maybe if I went this way, and maybe I put the Jordan River on ways, like, maybe I could find another alternative route, and, like, it would be easier, like, no, the truth is, there's got to be a point where you talk to the point where, where God, is, he, he's heard your prayers, 
And he's giving you an answer, and that's to stop talking. <laughs> like, do you know, <laughs> this went really well the other service. Okay. Do you know somebody that, like, your friend that, like, they talk a lot? Don't point at them. Don't stare at them. Like, this is confidential. And, like, I, I got a couple friends that they talk a lot. And you, there's usually things that you say to, like, kind of cut conversations or, or like, kind of, like, like, wrap it up. And it's like, so, like, I'm in my third, like, yo, that's crazy, bro. Yo, that's crazy. Yo, that's so crazy. So crazy. <laughs> so crazy. And so you do like four of those, and they're still talking, and you're like, hey, I love you, brother. Love you, sister, in the Lord. And, uh, but can you get to the point? Like, if you want to go to Chipotle, just ask me. Let's go. I'm ready. There's one five minutes from my house. It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I'm craving it right now. Okay. You need prayer. Why don't you just ask for prayer? You're going to make me need prayer. How much you're talking about how much you need prayer? And I think if we look at our lives, it's the same thing with us and God. We're praying and we're asking and we're seeking. And God's just like, hey, just get to the point. Let's just get to the point because it, the promises are in here. I said them already. I said them. They're done. You can have them. You don't have to talk to me about it. You don't have to act like the promises of God to bless your life already available to you. You don't have to strategize. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to plan it. All you got to do is work towards them and be everything that God called you to be in the process. So what do we do? I think the point's simple. We can't go without God. Can't live in sin and can't talk about it anymore. But I think there's an action of us just saying, okay, I'm not going to go without God. I'm not going to live in sin going to talk about it. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to get out of my position and I'm going to go. It doesn't matter how terrifying the Jordan River in front of me might be. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation might be. It doesn't matter how hard what I'm facing is. If I know that God told me he'll get me through it, then I'm going to get through it. If God told me, the God of the universe, God Almighty, God of, of Abraham, if he told me he's going to get me through it, then why should I be scared? Why should I be intimidated? Why should I have fear in my heart? I can take a step after step. I may get knocked down, but I'll take it another step, I'll take another step and know that the promises God have for me will be lived in my life and I'm not going to do it by myself. And so maybe what do you need to do for the rest of your year? You need to, you need to get out of your position. You need to say, God, I need more of you. God, I'm, I'm tired of the sin that's holding me back. God, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to go to the gym now. I'm going to do it. That's me speaking to myself. I need to go to the gym. I almost did a, did a squat and I almost died. And so, but but there's practice of what we need to do. I love it that Joshua, he ended up crossing that Jordan River. And Joshua ended up beating the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, and everybody that was taking their land. And they stepped foot on that promised land. And they went past that Jordan. They defeated every enemy that they needed to defeat. But they wouldn't have done it without God. And now it's your chance to say, I'm done doing it without God. And I want to change my life. I want to give God everything, everything I have. So as we wrap up service, why don't we just stand up to our feet. And I want to just pray for, pray for some people. If we can bow our heads, pray for some people. If we can bow our heads, pray for some people. If we can bow